Hello and welcome to the Soil to Table podcast, a show all about discussing our experiences of growing in a variety of green spaces while connecting over the common language of food. I'm your host Greg Muldoon and joining me as ever are my two co-hosts, the beans and squash that help me make up the three sisters of this podcast. He loves to climb, is incredibly tall and is full of protein. It's Elliot Greenbean Christie. Hello. And he can be encouraged to climb, but more often you'll find him sprawled out all over the floor. It's Mark Jacqueline Hammond. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Hi. And I guess in this reached analogy, that would make me the sweet corn. So uh, I'm very good at barbecues, but you'll more likely find me ravaged by squirrels in the corner of your allotment. Uh, thanks for joining us today. So um, I guess let's maybe start a little bit by talking about who we are. Uh, why we're doing this. My name, as I said, is Greg. I'm a food grower, as a, everyone else in this room. We, we, we all have various experience in growing food, and we thought that what we wanted to do was sit down and just start having conversations and recording our experiences. Uh, Elliot, let's start with you. Why don't you talk a little bit about your experience with growing food? Cool. So I'd say my approach to food growing might be different to the other guys. I got into growing food by going to the allotment with my nan and granddad. So when I was 18, 19 years old, I dropped out of university and I had a lot of time on my hands for the first time that I can, well, ever really, after being in school for yeah 19 years straight, finally had some time to figure out what I, it was I actually enjoyed. And so, yeah, I ended up going to the allotment with my nan and granddad, sort of growing the staples, potatoes, beans, broad beans, maybe a few salads here and there. And yeah, the reward of um, eating my own homegrown food and learning the trade, being outside, lifting up the potatoes after waiting months for them to grow and then making my own chips. Yeah, it gave me the bug. So then from there, I started growing in skill and becoming a bit more autonomous as a gardener and figuring out what it was that resonated with me. And so eventually I took on my own plot and started growing medicinal herbs, which is something that really intrigued me. The idea that a plant can heal you and that there's a massive selection of different healing properties of different plants. And um, so yeah, I started growing different herbs, marshmallow, elecampane, types of mint, lemon balm, all different types of things. And um, yeah, creating skincare, kombucha. Yeah, eventually, um, with my skills as a food grower, joined Food Union, which is where I met the two guys here with me. And yeah, that's a bit of my background in food growing. What about yourself, Mark? I think that I remember when I was tiny, my granddad's greenhouse, smelling the tomatoes in the greenhouse. I think back then as well, quite a long while ago a lot more people were using parts of their garden to grow I don't think it happens so much now there's more sort of landscaping and people are using it almost as an extra room but I remember my granddad's greenhouse I remember him growing potatoes um, where maybe a lawn would have been uh, so yeah that kind of stuck with me I think I was going through a bit of a time when I started off doing art and design just realised it wasn't really for me for a career so bit confused about what I was going to do and I was kind of flopping between different courses I was doing like a music course I was in a band and I was thinking maybe this is the way I can make my living but these things don't happen really very often to many people so I decided that I liked being outdoors so I decided to do 
uh, a level two MVQ in horticulture. I was really lucky at the time whilst I was doing that, uh, placement came up at Wright and Organic Gardens just outside of Coventry. So I applied for that and they accepted me there. So that was really my first kind of practical, real practical experience of growing. And I was really lucky that once my placement finished, the job came up there as a gardener. So I went for the job and, and that was the start really of 13 years at Garden Organic, or HDRA as it was called, when I first started. And I had a sort of various jobs. Was I started off as a gardener and then I moved into their, their 10 acre field uh, where I was growing vegetables for the cafe. So on a large scale, learned to drive a tractor and was ploughing and rotating, etc. Uh, so producing vegetables on a large scale. And then I went back into the gardens department as deputy head gardener for a few years. And then towards the end of my time there, the last two years, I was head gardener. So I was looking after the sort of 10 acre site there uh, and about three other gardens at the time. That kind of came to an end. Felt quite organic that it was time to leave. Excuse the pun. And uh, I was lucky enough to be asked to come and have a look at Food Union's, uh, one of Food Union's potential plots up at Sherbourne Valley Allotment site. Went for an interview, got the job there, and the rest is history, really. It's interesting, isn't it? You said that uh, maybe your journey is a little bit different, but it sounds like we were all, we were all inspired by grandparents because that's mm. pretty much my exact same journey as well. So when I was younger, I grew up in the top floor of a council flat and our garden was a car park and across the way from me was a cattle market, which doesn't exist anymore, but uh, I could hear the sound of farm animals at night, but I also lived right next to the train station so I could hear the sound of trains and cows. It wasn't very organic at all. Uh, but my, my grandparents had an allotment and a, a big garden in a village nearby, so used to be completely in my element when I was down there. <clears throat> and then eventually we moved into a house of our own, and once I was outdoors, I think it was really hard to keep me in again. All I ever wanted to do was be outdoors, basically. Um, and I used to go to the allotment with my granddad when I was a kid, and, you know, lots and lots of really fond memories of helping him shell peas and planting and digging up the potatoes. Mm almost kind of like the cliches of what you'd picture when you're sort of at the allotment with your grandparents. And then when I was 16 and started working, my granddad actually offered me part of his allotment because he was getting a lot older and not able to manage the, the amount of space that he had. It, it was weird. His allotment was, it's in the centre of a village, but barely anyone wanted any of the land. So between my granddad and his friend Ian, they were managing about eight different spaces on this allotment. And uh, eventually they got too old and decided they could only manage seven and gave one of them to me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I kind of kept this allotment, was growing a lot of my own food, what I could anyway, uh, kind of casually and as a bit of a, a bit of a hobby. Moved from different jobs. I've done a series of, uh, of all sorts of different things. But one of my best times was being a postman because I would finish at two o'clock. I used to cycle home, cycle through the river go up to the allotment and get to spend all afternoon there as well. And then eventually, as we've been, we've been alluding it to, I also joined Food Union. So I joined in 2019, uh, started working with Mark. Mark had basically got the shape of the Food Union site together, but was only working two days a week. So there's only so much you can do with two days a week on an allotment. I was lucky enough to come in through an apprenticeship scheme, studying environmental conservation at the same time and got a five-day placement at the site, so managed to kind of build on all the work that Mark had done. 
and then in 2022 uh, we were able to employ Elliot as well and the three of us have just continued to build on this site and primarily the site is used to grow produce for a cafe in Coventry called The Pod. Over time you'll start to learn more about what The Pod does and all of the sort of side projects of what Food Union do but essentially that's how we kind of all came together through different experiences, different practices. I think what's quite nice about our relationship is, Mark, you're very horticultural. I studied environmental conservation. And Elliot, you've basically got a really good knowledge of medicinals as well. And I think these different traits are kind of all come together to basically build a really beautiful garden. And so I guess the point of... We, we were talking a little bit off air about what we kind of wanted this podcast to be. Like, we don't just want to sit down and talk about gardening every week. I guess we want to try and theme it and talk about different practices and different skills. But for our first episode, I thought it might be kind of interesting if we could just maybe go into a little bit of detail about what our what, what our perfect growing space would look like, but we don't want to like go crazy. Let's try and tame ourselves a little bit. So someone pitch a piece of land. How big are we looking? Maybe like tennis court size. Tennis court size, probably about the average size of an allotment, I'd say, a tennis court. <laughs> so a tennis court size allotment. What are you doing with that space? Like what's your gut instinct tell you to do straight away? I think you've got to be quite careful because although that sounds like smallish sort of space really, when you're actually working, it's all according to what condition it's in when you take it on I suppose. If it's not in great condition and a lot of weeds and it's been left maybe for a good few months or years, I think you need to take it quite slowly. I know that people take on too much and they try to develop the whole space at once and they find it's like painting the fourth brick by the time you get the last weed out, you turn around and the rest of it's covered in, in weeds. So I'd probably choose maybe a quarter or half of it to work on for the first season, just try and get that cleared and maybe cover the rest even whilst you're doing that. So when you get to the next spring, you can lift the cover off and then hopefully a lot of the weeds will have died down there. So I think, yeah, first thing I'd say was not try to, not to take too much on, not take the whole space on because people get overwhelmed by it. And I think that's why a lot of people leave allotments. So, Yeah, our main site is located. So we grow on a three-quarter of an acre piece of land primarily. That's the site that the three of us all met on. And it's located on a wider allotment. I think there's something like 150 allotments on that plot. But we've seen a lot of turnover in that time, people taking sites on, going gung-ho, getting really excited in winter, turning it all, getting it all prepared. And then, like you say... Along come the weeds. Exactly. Spring comes in, summer comes in, all of a sudden you turn around, you've lost a lot of your sites. So I think that's some good advice to kind of start with, like make it manageable. But let's just say, rather than talking about the practicalities of tending to that site, let's talk more about like what your end goal would be. What do you want that site to look like? How do you picture it growing? Are we talking about polyculture, monoculture? Are we talking about rotations, food forests? You know, there's, there's a whole different scope of ways to grow food nowadays. Sort of t- tying into kind of what Mark was saying and also my approach to how I would make that look. I think my experiences have definitely made me lean towards the protect of the soil approach to gardening i think um the soil is is the life body of everything on your allotment when it comes to growing food the soil is the most important thing and protecting the soil by nurturing it in different ways is what everyone should be looking at doing because 
you can kind of write off a lot of your problems by treating the soil properly. And so, um, yeah, personally, I think the ultimate method of growing food is a food forest. Um, the UK, as a climate, naturally wants to become a forest. So if you leave a patch of land in the UK, it will naturally, saplings will grow and it will go through the different stages of succession where different types of plants will grow based on how large the canopy is and yeah eventually what will happen is you will have large trees and very shade tolerant plants will grow underneath so I think sort of leaning towards that approach as you're starting out gardening is a good method. Like a sort of permaculture. Permaculture yeah, yeah yeah and so I guess that kind of looks like thick mulches on the floor whether that be wood chip or straw grass whatever you want I think um, obviously year after year the leaf fall and leaf litter building up on the soil creates a very thick protection for the soil which yeah is like really rich in organic matter, humus, moisture holding, brings the worms up from deep into the soil to, to eat those leaves and take them back deeper. All that leaf litter brings mycelium which works in conjunction with the trees so um, yeah for me it would be if I could have any all any resources, it'd be wood chip to cover the floor because then, as Mark was saying, the hardest thing about an allotment is the weed growth. And if you can suppress weeds with something natural, um, although wood chip does take a lot of nitrogen from the soil as you start, maybe doing this in the winter, ready for the next year, is a good approach because, yeah, you get less weeds, you're feeding the soil, you can then do things like um, inoculate wood-loving uh, mushrooms so you can also grow mushrooms in your forest which again like going back to the food forest what, what do you find in nature mushrooms and then yeah fruit trees fruit trees come year after year you have to put no effort into them um you get tons of fruit off them yeah i mean you end up giving lots of fruit to your family to your neighbors um and organic fruit is very expensive as well so that's one of the things that I would definitely be growing. Fruit bushes as well, raspberries, yeah. black currants. Yeah, I guess when you're growing fruit bushes, sometimes you then have the problem with birds. Or are they going to come and eat them? So trying to find an approach to that that is in tune with nature, but then also in tune with being a food grower as well. Maybe having a section that you might have like a walking tunnel or... Maybe have some sacrificial plants as well. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing that a little bit, haven't we, that... We've got some wilder sort of raspberries in the wild area that the birds come and eat because we don't want to discourage the birds from coming yeah. in because they will mm. help us with our pest control at the end of the day. Definitely, they're going to be definitely. taking little caterpillars, they're going to be taking sort of insects that we don't really want around. So, yeah, we've found that, that a sort of sacrificial row of raspberries does, does work, mm. um, brings the birds in, but they tend to leave your main crop alone. But we, we were talking about quite a small space of land and everything you've described there sounds like it's super in tune with uh, gardening to standards of the environment. But how much food do you think personally you'd get from that, like cultivating kind of your more classic crops? Would you, in, would you incorporate that in things like beans and potatoes? Oh, yeah, for sure. For tomatoes. Sure. But when we talk about food forest, I think it's easy to sort of get distracted and think, oh, it's just like fruit trees growing on an allotment. But yeah. This is just a name. It's just a name of like an approach, like a food forest. Um, obviously, you have fruit trees and like fruit bushes and things like that. But um, yeah, you 100% grow annual plants and um, yeah, like perennial ones, Jerusalem artichokes, asparagus, that kind of thing. I think my approach to what I'm saying about food forests is sort of trying to create an ecosystem that like 
in a way almost runs itself one of the things that so nature to help you out yeah one of the things that I've been looking at very in depth at the minute on my allotment is self-seeding plants and I think when I look at nature you know no one comes around with a module tray and plants something out in nature like plants seed and they grow themselves so obviously growing food is hard work and if you have a big site it is hard work doing it so I think using nature's tools to aid you is is a good approach and I think obviously having a patch like Mark was saying he said that obviously take it step by step I think I would almost take it step by step but with the different areas maybe like an annual area where I've got raised beds and I'm growing things my annual plants in raised beds salad crops those kind of things sort of then maybe stepping it into an area with like my herbs medicinals and then towards the back maybe closer to where like a lot of allotments they have a border maybe like a fence with some kind of like wild area behind it these are where the the, the birds are going to come so making this food forest area there at the back to yeah almost make it so it is like a, a natural ecosystem progressing inwards and yeah yeah that i think that would be my approach i suppose think if you are doing the plot bit by bit so if let's imagine you're working on half of the plot and the other half is more natural overgrown let's say it's good not to not to think of that area as a waste of space because yeah. it's doing an important job. It's uh, for biodiversity. It's bringing in all those predatory insects that you you, you need on your allotment. You know, it's, it's space for for creatures to breed, um, to feed, and to feel safe in there as well. So it's not a wasted space. Definitely it's not, still no. really mm. important area to have in your allotment. You get a lot of native plants in there, which are really important yeah. to to the environment. Anyway, we're losing so many native plants from. On this this country at the moment, no weeds cultivate everything. But hedges down to four foot. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. almost our responsibility as food growers to think of not just growing food for ourselves, but growing food for wildlife as well, and making sure that we have this tendency that we want our borders to look a very particular way, a very kind of like British cottage garden style. I think is what most people think of when they think of a garden, but there are so many plants that are beneficial habitats and food sources for insects, which yeah. most people usually actually, if you let them flower, they can become incredibly beautiful. They do spread like wildfire. You do have to be careful with some of these yeah. kind of things. But mugwort, for example, mm -hmm. is a plant that I think most people just assume is kind of ugly, but is super beneficial mm -hmm. and has lots of medicinal properties Absolutely. as well. So it's almost like as food growers, it's our purpose not just to be growing food just for ourselves but ensuring that we allow these wild patches to thrive and I think attitudes are changing on allotments I was going to ask you actually I was going to say do you think attitudes are changing because you guys work on a few different allotment sites don't you between and I work uh, on, on two or three as well and I, I often see that kind of neat hedges neat paths um, I think I think a lot of it's to do with competitions yeah, you know, who's got definitely. the best allotment? Who's got the tightest allotment? Who's got the best dahlias? I think I'm hoping, in a way, that that is kind of is disappearing, is being phased out a little bit now. I was going to say, do you guys feel that the the attitude is changing? There's a lot of work to be done still. I think you you find that allotments are definitely a hotbed of different personalities, and there are some people who take on allotments because they don't want to converse with people as well and will very much stick to their very own kind of old style that maybe was passed down from uh, someone from a previous generation down to them and that works for them and they're going to continue to do it because that's the thing as well it's like it's trial and error isn't it 
with new ideas, it's not always going to work perfectly the first time. Whereas growing in very un like unified lines, putting the same fertilizer down, putting down the same chemical pesticides as well, that's been working for them for so long. And maybe sometimes people get honed in into their own patch and aren't thinking about the wider area around them. I think, I think now what I've noticed is that people are starting to realize that there's a dilemma with the way that they're growing food is not working with the way that the environment's changing. That the way they're growing food by weeding every plant off the soil, not letting anything grow, not keeping any wild spaces. Yeah, they've realized now that like, oh, if I put these seeds in the ground, they're not just going to germinate anymore because what happens is we've got two weeks with no rain. So you can't just stick carrot seeds in the ground anymore and expect them to grow and put your beans in the ground and expect them to survive. You have to now focus on what I would describe as, yeah, nature's methods to, to help you. So like these things like mulching and um, putting a lot of organic matter into the soil rather than just yeah using chemical fertilizers i think it's about education as well isn't it it's it's, it's building from sort of grassroots from um especially now ideas are changing a bit about sort of spraying pesticides and herbicides etc i think if you can get in there at a young age and and, and teach different methods and, and which which pull away from that kind of destructive way in which people have been growing for many years i mean there's the sad thing as sad as it sounds as well is the old guard are dying out starting to die out a little bit as well you know which is which is sad of course it is but you know it, it opens up a little gap for those new ideas to come in and you know maybe it's not a great idea to be spraying this and spraying that you can just sort of let that be and then mm -hmm. what you're doing then is like you are protecting the soil like it's always best to have things growing in the soil like maybe there might be weeds but you can just come and whack the dandelion heads up if that's like a major problem for you but a dandelion growing in the soil is fixing nitrogen and a nettle can be used to yeah die back over the winter and all of that nettle foliage is going to feed your soil yeah. and um, yeah I think you're right teaching the younger generation about the sustainable approach to gardening, growing yeah. food, utilising nature and... Get rid of this apologetic sort of nature that we've got for having a messy area in yeah. our garden. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. You know, don't be sorry about it. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. It should be there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like my garden, I mean, sometimes, like when they do the plot inspections, like I feel worried. It's like, oh, like what are they going to think? Like, oh, but for me, I know that, like, if I walk in that area, I'm going to find 200 ladybirds and... Mm -hmm like different types of beetles and all these things are dying out and I think allotment spaces I've always believed should be an ecosystem in the heart of the city because you there's not many places in the city where you can find such a large growing space that's just all green like yeah obviously people have gardens but I mean look how many people are putting down astroturf now and most people have got like decking and slabs might grow things in pots but they're not ecosystems where as the allotment can be so if everyone in these spaces had wild areas yeah we're creating something that's gonna yeah feed the environment in the heart of the city and yeah we might have to like say spray pesticides now but if you create these wild spaces and you have hundreds of ladybirds they're gonna eat your aphids like no doubt and um yeah the beetles they'll eat different predators as well and wasps and if you've got bees pollinating, they're going to do so much good for not just your allotment, pollinating, making more fruit, but for the world in general, yeah. yeah 
So it seems like maybe we're settled on the idea that our perfect growing space isn't just a tennis court full of vegetables then. It's, it's very much about trying to build habitation, trying to encourage wildlife, trying to grow not just for us, but for, for everything. That's um, our way of looking at it. Yeah. Other people probably would just have a tennis court full of potatoes, <laughs> wouldn't they? Or just a tennis court. Or just a tennis court, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to grow any food on there. That's the perfect tennis, tennis court, court size. Yeah, or car park, maybe, yeah. one, one, one question I wanted to ask you guys is, um, what was there a specific moment that really, like, kind of... Or what was it sort of that really sort of settled you in to think like, oh yeah, like this is something that I want to pursue in terms of like gardening or like growing food? Was there a moment or was there an experience for you that sort of led you to that? I don't know. This sounds a bit sad really, but it's just, it's like magic, isn't it? I think that's what it is. And when you see a good magic trick, you just want to watch it over and over again. And I think mm. that's that's how I see sort of growing vegetables. It is magic. It's It's... You know, there's no sense to it really, is there? You know, when you look at it, uh, you put, you plant this little seed, and the next thing you've got a crop of tomatoes. It's just, it's, it's an incredible thing to be able to do, and it's easy. I'm surprised after all these years that I still don't get, like, I, I always get giddy every single time germination starts happening in the greenhouse or in the yeah. ground. <clears throat> I just get so excited; it's ridiculous. Sowing seeds with my granddad, and then. You know, a few months later, harvesting the tomatoes. Mm. Uh, you know, I'll always, always sort of remember that, and I think that gets you know, ingrained in you, doesn't it? You don't forget that. It's an mm. amazing thing every time you do it. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but well, I think for me, I've like been doing it twenty-five years, and it still amazes me now. Grow, growing with my granddad was amazing, but I think it was that first time that I ever had like a decent crop that I could use to go back and make a meal. Yeah, sure. That was one of the first times I think where I was like, "Wow, this is this is just kind of like out of this world that I can do this." <clears throat> and it's not free, but you can make it cheaper and you can make it more affordable growing your own food. And as you go on, you start to learn more skills as well. I think that was almost like the gateway that first meal I had with all of, not all of my own homegrown produce, but the great majority of it being homegrown. And then that opens doors to you because all of a sudden you learn about things like being able to save seed from the things that you mm -hmm. grow in order to be able to then grow these things again. I remember um, when, when I was first growing, talking to someone and being like, how does an onion reproduce? Like, I remember not knowing because I'd never seen an onion flower before. I'd never seen an onion get to that stage where it flowered, yeah. and I just couldn't picture it. I was like, "How? Where do the bulbs? Like, they grow from bulbs, but where do the bulbs come from?" And I hadn't been introduced to onion seed yet. So yeah, just th that kind of gateway into learning so much about um, food growth and being like, it can be self-sustainable. You can. There's no waste on an allotment because whatever you don't put onto your plate, you're then gonna like throw it into the compost bin, and that becomes next year's food source for the food itself as well. Using plants on the allotment to make your own fertilizers. I guess I'm kind of coming to the realization that it's learning that you don't have to get caught in the trap of having to buy stuff every single year. It's like when you first start out, you get very excited and you probably do invest quite a bit of money buying your seeds and buying your equipment and your tools. But then learning that you can grow a lot of this stuff and kind of work it from the ground up and make it a self-sufficient space. It's almost like a one-off payment, really. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then you're there once you're set up. You're set up. Yeah. And what about you? Um, I think for me, sort of feeling like I was 
connected with nature. I think that's when I sort of felt connected. That's when, like, it really like changed for me. Um, I think what makes me so in love with like medicinal plants is the idea of making teas. And um, yeah, I remember when I first started started um, gardening. My brother had thrown out his old bed, and um, I used like the slats underneath his bed to make my first ever raised bed. And then I planted in some like Moroccan mint and a couple other different herbs. Glad and you then... waited for him to throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, after doing some acrobatics over my um, over my old washing area and breaking that, I ended up turning that into my first greenhouse, wrapping it up with some um, some see-through wrapping paper and planting a little chili in there. And then, yeah, I remember just going out in the morning and snipping out some herbs and dropping it in my teapot and then brewing yeah a hot cup of tea and sort of just sitting down and then drinking that and then yeah I think that art of consuming food or that you've grown or consuming a tea that you've grown and then sitting within that space and feeling connected I think yeah it unites you doesn't it that feeling's addictive isn't it you just want to do more and more definitely definitely Brilliant. So there you go. That's uh, that's our perfect garden, I guess. So uh, I guess that's it for this first episode of the Soil to Table podcast. We're going to try and drop a new episode every two weeks. Our next one will be about soil retention. In the meantime, let's just assume that it's not our parents who are going to be listening to this and talk a little <laughs> bit about where they can find more information about what we do. So, for example, you can find me on social media at Food Union Coventry. Um, you can find me on social media at Edgy Gardens. That's where I do some of my things. I've got a few um, YouTube videos that I'm making now. A little bit on TikTok as well. Yeah, similar to Greg at Food Union, you'll find out some of the things we've been up to onto our, on our plot. So until next time, it's goodbye from Elia. Goodbye. Goodbye from Mark. Goodbye, I'm off to sprawl on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from me.